whether gathered here in the worship center or in the gym venue or in Liberty Hill over the last several weeks, we have looked through Revelation 19 and the beginning of Revelation 20, and we have been introduced to the place called the Lake of Fire. In chapter 19, in the beginning of chapter 20, we saw that the beast and the false prophet and Satan, that unholy trinity, was seized and thrown into the lake of fire to be tormented forever and ever. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, we are told by Jesus that the eternal fire has been prepared for Satan and his angels. The eternal fire has not been prepared for you and for me. It has not been prepared for the rest of the world for that matter. Even so, the world is on a crash course for the lake of fire. Let's read together Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. And the one who sits upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled, and no place was found for them. John sees the Lord seated on a great white throne as judge ready to bring judgment that is unstoppable and inescapable. Look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And each one of them were judged according to their works. Jesus Christ will judge everyone. according to what they have done in their lives. 
Look at verse 14. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone is not found in the book of life written there, he was cast into the lake of fire. That verse 15 is a really hard verse. But this is the revelation that Jesus wants us to see about him as judge. Judge of everyone. And more specifically, our judge. Jesus wants us to see him as our judge. He will judge everyone. The revelation here in this vision is that Jesus will sit in judgment and everyone will be judged according to their deeds. He will judge us according to our deeds. This is true throughout the scripture. The the scripture talks about how judgment will occur for every person here in Revelation and in many other places in the Bible. Let me just read a couple to you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. We will all face judgment. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. We will all stand Before the judgment of Jesus Christ. And we will all be judged according to what we have done. And in John's vision of this judgment. He sees these books opened. And these books apparently contain everyone's name. And a listing of all the deeds of our lives. I mean, this vision in Revelation 20 is a fulfillment, a picture 
of what we read in Romans 2.16. On the day when according to my gospel, Paul writes, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. It's a picture of what the scripture says in Luke 8.17. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Whether this vision is literally a vision of books that will be open and our names will be read, it certainly represents that God knows everything we have done. And we will be judged according to everything we have done. So there's coming a time when the books will be opened. And when the books are opened, your name will be found, and your deeds will be read. And you will be judged. Now when I imagine that experience, I find that it is easier to imagine what that would be like for somebody that I think is really bad. Like I think about the Austin bomber. Anybody get mad about that? It's just terrible what happened in our community just south of us. And I can imagine his book being, his name being found in the book and it's being said of him, you killed unsuspecting people. I can imagine people far worse than him in our history that have been responsible for the slaughter of millions of people. And I can imagine hearing that individual's name read with a listing of deeds and appropriate judgment pronounced and me saying amen. I can also imagine and hoping that my name is called right after one of those really bad people. Because if my name is called right after one of those really bad people and the stuff that's written about me and what I did is there, I feel like I might be better off. You know, like I'm not that bad. Maybe it's going to go okay for me. I mean, isn't it true that we all have the tendency and really the desire to want to be better than somebody we think is really bad? And when you think about being judged and all your deeds exposed, every secret thought, every action done, Exposed. I'm really grateful that the scripture gives us a summary of what it will sound like when the details are actually read. So when the details of your life and the details of my life are found in the books and our name is called and those deeds are read, the scripture actually gives us a summary of what all those details will culminate to explain about you and me. 
Let, let me read to you scripture passages that summarize what the details of our lives will really add up to. The first passage is James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. If you and I have been disobedient to God in any single way, it is as if we have been disobedient to God in every way imaginable. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You want to know what the details of our lives are going to sum up to when our name is found in the books and our deeds are declared openly before the judgment seat of Christ? Here's how it sums up. Guilty. And no amount of good will alter that sentence. Have, have, you ever, have you ever gone out into the garage? Maybe you got a standalone freezer. If, if you're a hunter, you probably do. It's a great way to keep your meat. So you go out to the garage in your standalone freezer to get some meat out. And you open that standalone freezer full of frozen meat only to discover the freezer has at some point stopped working. You ever done that? I did that this last year. Let me tell you, it was the saddest day. I was broken hearted. I wanted to fall to my knees, not only because of the smell, but because of losing all that meat. Spoiled, rotten, putrid. I could not take some of that meat out of that broken freezer, spoiled and rotten, and tell Lindley, we need an extra special marinade tonight. <laughs> it's not going to work, is it? You can't put enough spices and marinade on meat like that. You have to start over because it had been spoiled beyond recovery. The Bible's message about you and me is that we have been spoiled beyond repair. You can't put enough marinade of good works to erase the deeds of sin. So what difference does it make what we do in this life? If, if we can't do enough good to cover up our guilt before a holy God, then what does it matter? Well, I'll tell you why it matters. Because there is this other book, the book of life. 
and in the book of life are written names of those who have found remedy for their sin in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has provided an opportunity so that if anyone places their faith in him, he gives them a brand new heart. He takes from them their sin. And he, in the place of their sin, gives them his righteousness. He gives a brand new start, a redo, a brand new life. He completely enables us to start over. So if your name is written in the book of life, that changes everything. And that's a change we all need. Because every one of us, when our name is read, and the deeds of our life are read, we will be guilty. And we need our names to be written in the book of life so that everything changes for us. When, when our name, the book of life contains names. When our name is written in the book of life because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, it changes the way the books are read. So if on the day of final judgment, your name comes up and your name is in the book of life, then the way the books are read about your deeds will be different. Your name will sound. And your deeds of sin in rebellion, in brokenness, in depravity, in abomination will be read. And by every one of those deeds will be written the word forgiven. You are forgiven. And in the halls of the throne room of God, Psalm 103.12 will ring out as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 1.18, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. What you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ makes more difference than anything else you will ever do in your life. That's the one thing that changes everything. That's why Galatians chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 tell us that if we are to give an account before God on the basis of the law, we will not be justified. We will be guilty. And the verse 11 in Romans chapter 3 says, the righteous person is justified by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, what you do with the gospel, changes everything such that through your faith in Christ you are granted righteousness and now these books are read differently. Praise God. But if your name is not in the book of life. 
than when these books are read. Deed after deed will be read. And you will be pronounced guilty. The lake of fire. But it doesn't have to be that way. Right? If you're here this morning and you're hearing this vision, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus, in his mercy, has given this vision so that if you have not yet trusted him as Lord and Savior, you would see this vision of him as a coming judge and know that you still have opportunity to respond. That right now you can decide to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, to accept the forgiveness that he has paid by his death on the cross, taking care of the penalty of your sin on your behalf so that you might receive the gift of eternal life and salvation from his judgment. He has offered you an opportunity to trust in him so that you might know today that your name is written in the book of life so that how this book is read changes. Please, if you are here today, respond to Jesus Christ and trust him for your salvation. If you are here today and you have experienced salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to recognize through this message the incredible opportunity that you and I have been given having our names written in the book of life, knowing we live in a world that is on a crash course for the lake of fire. Do you recognize the opportunity that we have? We have the opportunity to leverage every ounce of our lives for the eternity of everyone else. This is a really big deal with God. So much so that God will judge us whose names are written in the book of life on the basis of whether or not we have leveraged our lives for the eternity of everyone else. You trace through Revelation the concept of final judgment and you will see a thread of both punishment, eternal punishment, and eternal reward. Punishment for those who do not know Christ and reward for those who do. Jesus Christ does not just want us to be forgiven. He doesn't want the only thing to be of worth is your name in the book of life. He wants your name to be found in these books and things read about you in addition to the things that have been forgiven about you. He wants things to be read that you did with your life of forgiveness, leveraging everything you are for the eternity of everyone else. So that when the deeds are read, of how you leveraged your home, 
how you leveraged your parenting, how you leveraged your time in the neighborhoods in which you lived, how you leveraged your workplace, how you leveraged everything about your life for the eternity of everyone else around you. Those deeds will be read and those deeds will represent corresponding reward. He doesn't want you to just be forgiven. He wants you to receive reward for his glory and your joy forever. I see this vision and I just want to cry out to the Lord, help me leverage my life. I want to do better. I want to share more. I want to tell more people. I want to see more people's names written in the book of life and everything changed for them like it's been changed for me. I want you to use me. You feel that? I mean, could we not see this week as the perfect timing of God? He would grant us the mercy as a church family to receive this message one week before Easter Sunday. And that we might every day seek to leverage our lives and tell someone about Christ. Invite them to our Easter service. Could we not use this week to leverage everything we are for the sake of the eternity of everyone around us? Isn't that what the Spirit of God compels us to do? Through the message of His judgment. That for those of us in Christ means reward. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a description of judgment on those who believe in Christ. It's described as if we are building on a foundation with what we do. And it's a testing of whether or not we've leveraged everything in life for the eternity of everyone else. Everything we've done as believers in Jesus Christ will be tested. And the things that are not in our lives because we're leveraging everything for the gospel will be burnt up. And what remains, because we did leverage everything we did with everything we are, will remain. And for that which remains, we will receive reward. But for that which was burnt up, how we did not leverage our lives, the scripture says we will suffer loss. You know why Jesus tells us that? So that we will again and again, surrender our lives to leverage everything we are for the eternity of everyone else and not suffer loss of any shape or form, but only reward. You know, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 starts off with this scene of the judgment of God being unstoppable and inescapable. I want you to contrast that vision 
with what's said in Hebrews chapter 19. Chapter 10, excuse me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see the contrast? The vision in Revelation 20 is a vision that creates a dividing line. You can either experience the vision where you meet Jesus Christ as judge and you want to run away only to discover his judgment is unstoppable and inescapable. Or you can stand before the judgment seat of Christ and recognize that his arms are held wide open to receive you in his love. Witnessed by the scars in his wrist, the scars in his side, his expression of love for you. And instead of running away, you run right into those arms. On one of Paul's missionary journeys, he went to Athens. And in Athens, he was walking around the city and he saw that the city was full of idols, people worshiping anything and everything but God. And he had an opportunity to stand in front of a group of people and he said, I saw an altar in your city, had an inscription on it, says to an unknown God. I want to tell you about the unknown God, the creator of all things. He has placed you right where you are, right when you are, so that you might find him. In Acts chapter 17, this is how he closes out his appeal to the people in the city to trust in Jesus Christ. He says in Acts 17, verse 30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Paul talked about final judgment and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some on that day heard him and they sneered and they scoffed and they walked away. Some heard him and say, that sounds interesting. We'd like to hear more about that at some point. But some heard what he was saying and they believed in Jesus Christ and they found the Savior of the world. Revelation 20 is the final judgment. In light of that message, how will you respond? A 
the judgment of God is unstoppable and inescapable. And the only hope is your name being written in the book of life. Leveraging your life for the eternity of everyone else.